Hello, it's Beth Kempton, author of Freedom Seeker and founder of Do What You Love. Welcome to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. If you're new here, you can find out more about me and my work at bethkempton.com. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles is a place for brave stories, real inspiration, actionable advice, and great conversations. So many of us build lives that end up trapping us, chasing the kind of success that doesn't actually make us happy, until one day we eventually realize that enough is enough. We want to do things our way. We want to manifest our own happiness. We want to escape, make our own rules, and fly free. Because deep down we know it's in flying free that we fulfill our true potential and we really come alive. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles podcast is a regular dose of escape elixir to reignite that desire and light the way. I define freedom as the willingness and ability to choose your path and live life as your true self. In this podcast, the stories will inspire that willingness. And in my book, Freedom Seeker, you'll find all the tools you need for that ability. The rest is up to you. If you haven't yet read my book, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all good independent bookstores. It's the perfect companion to this podcast. And if you've read it and you're here for more inspiring stories, welcome friend, you're in for a treat. So let's dive in. One day last year, I got on a train to London to get myself some inspiration at Hay House's flagship event, which is called Ignite. It was a pretty straightforward journey, one train ride to Waterloo Station, and then a quick hop on the northern line of the underground to Euston. It wasn't just me though. I took along my then eight-month-old baby in her pram, which suddenly seemed like a really bad idea when I realised that London Waterloo has a very steep escalator down to the underground and no working lift. As I approached the top of the moving stairway, wondering how on earth I was going to get us down safely, at that exact same moment, three friendly-looking women approached. You know the kind, a small group of friends happily chatting away, all clutching takeaway coffees with glossy hair and lovely bright clothes. The kind you see and want to be friends with. Yes, women like that. All three of them turned to me at the same time and said, You want a hand? Oh, bless, they were as nice as they looked. We're all mums, they said. We know what it's like. And so with a series of swift moves, one was holding all the coffees, one all the handbags, and the other two of us holding onto my precious cargo as the steps carried us down to the belly of the tube. We started chatting to each other. Are you having a day out? I asked, where are you off to? Oh, we're going to an event, the one with the shiny brown bob said. Near Euston Station. Not Ignite, by any chance? Yes. No way. Me too. Over a quarter of a million people pass through Waterloo Station every single day. I met the three who were going to the same place as me on the other side of the city. And so we travelled across London together, nattering fast, learning about what each of us did and why we'd all been drawn to Ignite. One of those lovely ladies was Sam Reynolds, formerly PA to Daniel Craig, who you might know as James Bond. She's also a three-time cancer survivor who now runs Sam Spaces, a network for people finding their way after cancer. I was so blown away by Sam's story that I ended up interviewing her for my book, Freedom Seeker, and was wholly moved by her strength and light. I'm delighted to have Sam on the show today to talk more about the healing process. The first time Sam was diagnosed with breast cancer, she was just 27. It came back a few years later, and as a natural doer, she felt obliged to put her cancer experiences in a box and move on. But that's when the problems really began. 
Sam felt overwhelmed and alone and was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Just a year later, age 35, Sam was diagnosed with cancer for the third time. When she stepped out of the clinic for that final time, she was determined to do things differently. She realised that she was no longer the same person and she needed to find a new way to be in the world. She now wanted to help others avoid the high rates of depression and PTSD that so often follow cancer and wanted to forge a new path for herself. And that's how she came to set up Sam's Spaces. She inspired me so much with her story, I wanted to invite her onto the show today to share her strength, openness and wisdom with you. We talk about the healing process, not just after a severe illness, but after any traumatic incident, and about how we so often don't give ourselves the time and space we need, rushing back into everyday life when actually radical self-care is the order of the day. Hi Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Hi Beth, you're very, very welcome. I love the fact that I know you because it's so random how we met each other. (laughs) Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's the workings of the universe. What do you think? I I think it is. But with the workings of the universe does come a lot of randomness. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So you've done a really good job of learning the lessons and taking the gift from what you've been through. So we want to talk a bit about that today. Maybe that's a good place to start. What What do you think is the biggest gift that cancer has given you? Um, I think in a word, empowerment, because um, having gone through it more than once um, and knowing how different every time and every experience has been, I think owning that and realising the benefits and the positives that I've been able to take from it or tried to take from it, um, at this point where I am now, Um, with everything that has happened and everything that I've done and achieved, I think empowerment is definitely the word that sort of springs to mind at the moment. Um, I've sort of taken my health back into control. I've taken a big step back and learned a lot about stress and um, all all the different things that potentially could cause stress and how I can get on top of those things or how I can just let go of those things it's it's been a big big journey and it won't it, you know it's not not necessarily ending um I'm always learning but I think the empowerment side of it is definitely um, a major thing that I've taken away do you think that stress and cancer are connected um I don't think I can you know I think everybody's different and um one thing that was drummed into my head right from the get-go was everybody, everybody's case, everybody is different. I think for me, stress had a lot to do with it. I'd also had glandular fever in the run-up. Um, and so I think it was a manifestation of several things, but I think stress was a huge contributor, yes, for me. Mm. Let's, I really want to kind of understand a picture of your life before health became such a big part of it and and, you know and and how that changed over time and how you dealt with that so can you just maybe tell us about the kind of typical day that you had before this was all all a thing (laughs) you lived a pretty glamorous life right in film well it was yeah I mean it sounds glamorous when you when I say that I used to work in the film industry but I think um the evidence shows that there was a much uh, more hectic side to it. I used to be a PA in the film industry. 
and I looked after various um, directors, producers, screenplay writers, and then um, went on to PA for uh, some actors and um, uh, sort of celebrities. Um, when I was working on Unit, it was, yeah, it, it were, they were long days. It was um, five, six o'clock in the morning to nine, ten o'clock at night. I was working full on um, and not really sitting down to eat. The food that I was eating wasn't exactly healthy, um, not getting very much sleep and constantly had my eye on email. And did the news come as a shock to you then? Yeah, I think I um, I had glandular fever about a year before I was diagnosed and I had taken some time off work. But because it was, um, because the nature of the work I did was freelance, obviously those contracts are quite tricky and taking time off isn't, you know, wasn't straightforward or easy. Um, but I had taken that time off and I think I had gone back to work too soon and I hadn't really recovered properly. Um, and then I did another job and that was much better and I had a fantastic time and I worked with some amazing people. And then it was after that that I was diagnosed. So yeah, it was a shock, but I also think it was a shock because I was so young. Um, I had had breast cancer in the family so I'd always been very aware of it but you never think at 27 years old that you are going to be faced with something like that um and when I was diagnosed I said to my consultant you know I never ever used to get sick I, I used to be just one of those people that really didn't suffer very much um and I said has glandular fever got something to do with this? Because it never seems that I was right after that. And he said that that would have definitely weakened my immune system. But there are obviously other contributing factors. Mm -hmm. And you just never really know exactly what they are. But I think it's an internal feeling. And I think the further down the, the road I've gone, the more I have been able to connect with my body. And mm -hmm. now I know what those catalysts are. In terms of being able to feel when something's not right, you mean? Or Yeah, and I think when you're feeling out of balance, when you're feeling um, that you're not getting enough rest, that you're not getting enough sleep, that you're not nurturing yourself the right way, um, you're not exercising. I think that the relationship between the mind and the body, for me, I don't think there was one before you know, I was, I was diagnosed. I think I ignored everything that my mind was telling me. Um, or maybe that my heart was telling me and I was just listening to my mind. I think that's the best way of putting it. Or is it they say the body's a useful vehicle for getting the head around places? Yes. <laughs> exactly. I think my body was exhausted and my mind was just, you know, throwing demands at it left, right and centre and it couldn't, it just couldn't keep going the way it was going. Well, I think having had that experience three times, the diagnosis three times, it's interesting to kind of develop that awareness more deeply each time. And do you think you, you knew it was coming? The third time was anything like did you sense anything different or? the third time was the biggest the biggest shock actually um 
the third time caught me completely unawares. And I'm not saying I knew I was getting it the second time either, but um, I there is I can understand certain um, certain chemical things I think that were happening in my body around the second time after having a baby with my hormones because all my cancers were hormonal. Um, but the third time. Do you know, I think the third time was almost the means to an end. I think I got to a point where um, that when they diagnosed me and I, the first thing I said was, I just, I want a mastectomy. I've always wanted it. Just, just do it because it's the right thing to do now. Mm. And that in itself was empowering because I had that, made that decision instantaneously. I absolutely knew that was the way forward that was the right thing to do and it hadn't spread um so to my lymph glands so it was the surgery and then I could um concentrate and focus on that healing process and you know know that my risk had been decreased somewhat more than it had been maybe the first and second time mm. and the healing process is presumably so much more than just the illness going away yeah, it's everything. And I think that's why my focus uh, with Sam Spaces is very much post-treatment. There is, um, having gone through remission and, and going through it for the third time, but, you know, three times, the um, the support changes so much when you finish your treatment. And that is when you need it the most, almost, um, there's a, you know, there is so much amazing uh, stuff that is available to you as a patient, holistic therapies, uh, counselling. Um, you know, your your family and friends are very much more aware of what you're going through, whatever treatment you're having, and you know, visually, it's obvious as well. Um, but it's like grief after the funeral everyone gets back to their normal lives and that person is left to get back to normal life well their normal life is there but they're not engaging with it they're still going through that grieving process and so the same thing really is applicable here you finish your treatment and you're left hanging there's no routine of going back to the hospital um, your friends think you're amazing because you've got to the end of it and suddenly you are the one who is sitting there starting to process this on an emotional and mental level and your body is still physically healing. Um, and oftentimes I think during treatment your life is put on a bit of a pause because that routine of going to the, the hospital appointments and the treatment takes over. Um, and you need to adjust and you need, there's a certain amount of um, acceptance and um, uh, forward, those those steps forward are not always as um, sure and solid as you think they might be. So it's a vulnerable time and it can be frustrating because some, some of us don't appreciate how long it's going to take. Mm. And healing's not linear, is it? No, there's no straightforwardness to it at all. And it is it was literally like that kind of roller coaster again, up, down, up, down. Um, and so knowing that there's a sort of socket 
as I like to think of it, that you can plug into as and when you need it while still moving forward and still embracing parts of your life again you know the the bits that you can get back to the bits that are that you actually have to get back to there are certain things that you know family children that you you still have to continue with but at the same time making allowances and knowing that that's okay and you're not being selfish or you're not being um you're not freaking out unnecessarily and being nuts and losing your mind (laughs) I, th- I think everything you're saying is just so relevant to any time we go through anything which is really disruptive in our lives. You know, it might be a divorce, might be losing your job, it might be a friend being sick. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be a big illness that it almost allows you to put a label on something. Um, yeah. And and actually, like you're saying, cancer itself has incredible support at that time. Um, and now, thank goodness for people like you who are offering it afterwards. But I think the whole, the actual human experience of what happens after something major has happened, people have shown up for you, helped you, and then gone back to their lives. Then there's kind of a void. And that the way that you travel through that can have a massive impact on what happens yeah. next, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's arming yourself with those tools and... Um, uh things to remind yourself that it's um you know it's okay to struggle on those days and it's fantastic on the days where you can take on the world again and being able to share those experiences in a safe and um uh positive group of people you know group where you can reach out and verbalize it you know it's just it's that feeling of knowing that you've got a team and a power posse as I like to call it with you and as you say we do go through all of these um, ups and downs through life but isn't that a testament to how we really do need to take care of ourselves and and make sure that we process stuff properly and I think a lot of the time we don't and therefore stress again rears its ugly head and these things then manifest themselves later as, you know, illness or a breakdown or whatever. Life is so fast moving now. Mm-hmm. We are always available. We can't switch off. And, um, you know, it took me three times to actually recover and shut the bedroom door and tell everyone to go away. I need this time by myself. I need to just heal and not suddenly feel like I need to be on the school run and to ask for help. And so many of us struggle with that nowadays because of society. And it makes such a difference. And you know that if it was your friend in that position, you'd do anything you could, but sometimes you just don't know what to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I think it's, um, and again, it comes back to that empowering thing of being able to say no. And that in itself is something that we all struggle to do, um, especially us gals. I think we all very much feel that we have to be available all the time and do as much as we can. Um, and so when it comes to our health and our sanity, I think it's something that is um, an ongoing uh, challenge, but we having that awareness is such a positive key to, to it. And how do you, so the people that you work with at Sam Spaces, and I'd love for you to tell us more about it, what kind of conversations do you have with them? Do you, is it all about what they need at that particular moment? Tell us how it works. Yeah, it's funny. I 
Initially, I offered very much of a one-to-one support because that's what I felt I had needed when I was going through treatment. I didn't want to go to a group thing and I was also very young and a lot of you know, other patients were a lot older and I was very conscious of that. But now um, I run a, a support group and the people who, the girls that come to that are amazing and they're all very willing to share because they know everyone can relate to parts of it. And as I've said, you know, a few minutes ago, everybody's story, everybody's experiences are different. But it's um, when you've come out the other side, and a lot of us have families, young families, um, and obviously some have had more challenging experiences than others. At the end of the day, there is a very special connection. And sometimes some of the girls don't really need to say that much at all but they're also looking for a pack meant there's a pack mentality going on I've rec- I've recognized just recently actually and um in that pack we want to be able to share positive practical tips I think it's a massive reflection as well on women in society and how we have so many mums groups and NCT and um, all of these massive life events that go on for us where we have babies and we connect on those levels and we share tips and we give each other those um, lifts when we need it. It just is exactly the same thing. It's just that there is a minority, more of a minority of us who have gone through cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's very much moving in that sort of same way and that nucleus that, you know, everyone can sort of come to, take what they need and then go away. Um, all the while knowing that there is that very um, subtle support system in place um and like i just mentioned it's like a plug you know you stick a plug in the socket you get your boost of energy and then you turn it off or you take it out and it is very much like that it's so valuable for all of those women i'm i'm sure is it all women is it men too yeah it is at the moment yeah it is um all women and i i think you know initially I well, I still am very open to whoever wants to come. If they if they feel like it's the right thing for them, the door is always open. Um, I think women find it very easier to connect with each other in that sense. And um, I've, I've had a couple of times where husbands or boyfriends have sort of come, dropped off, said hello, and then left. Um, but and I have a lot of men following me on social media. But I think essentially face to face, you know, it's a it's a woman thing. Mm. And I think women get more out of that because they're willing to put more into it. Mm. And those communities are so important in in all areas of our life, both where we need support and also just in the things that we're interested in. I think often if you're looking for your people, if you just get on with a thing that you're interested in, those people kind of appear don't they? Um, and yeah. you can connect through doing the same thing. So even for people who are really, really terrified of meeting new people, and, and that's a really, you know, that's a massive obstacle in itself to overcome for someone. Yeah. If you can just put yourself in a place where those people might be and 
get busy with whatever it is you're doing. I mean, I'm I'm thinking here of um, kind of creative retreats and things like that, where the level of bonding is incredible. Yeah. And for some people, it's really intimidating to, you know, walk into a room of 100 people. But if you just get on with making your art, then you make those bonds and connections. So I think sometimes we can overthink community, can't we? Get really like love the idea of it. But where do I go? Where do I find those people? And, yeah. and actually, you just 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 showing up in the area, in the places where those people are going to be can can be the first step, can it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very much. Um, so I see. So we have two meetings a month, and I see one of them. So one of them is just about us guys, whoever's around, getting together and talking and sharing. The other one is very much based around a well-being professional who will come in, talk a little bit about what they do, and give everybody an opportunity to ask questions, be practical, find out more, watch a demonstration. Um, art is something that we've been exploring because so many people find out find a lot of healing through creative and artistic. Um, roots be it sculptor or um design or drawing and um i think giving them a focus to the group as you say it can be much more bonding and it takes out the pressure to talk if people you know feel that it's a day where they'd be better off just distracting themselves um and i always make it a big thing to meet any newbies or people who are interested for a coffee on my own beforehand so that they do know my face. They have met me. I do know what they've gone through a little bit. I know where they're at. I know what they need, what they're looking for. I know what they want. Um, because you can't generalize in this sort of situation. And, um, if people are willing to come and give it a try, then, um, that's amazing and I want to respect that space and hold that for them so that they know it's an organic process for them and they can take whatever they need out of it what a gift you are to those people goodness me <laughs> um I'd love to know it sounds like you've become a bit of an expert in radical self-care um <laughs> and it's it's totally a work in progress for me I look after other people so much better than I look after myself and it's always in the back of my mind but also at the bottom of my to-do list and I kind of know what I should be doing and yet I so often don't do it and you know clearly in your life you've got to a point where you just have to do it and how is that so so now you're essentially healthy again um do you keep it up do you really prioritize that in your life and and what tips have you got for people like me that know that they should and just don't often get around to it it is a wheel that it will always be turning there <laughs> <laughs> and you know what some days it goes through real boggy marshes and mud and other days it turns through smooth gravel <laughs> and we're rolling downhill and life is sweet and I can do it and I'm getting on top of the world I think when in my situation speaking for myself with kids involved, it's a real, you got to take it where you can. And we are giving to our kids. You can't move, you can't change that. They're, they're, they need us, um, whether they're two or 20, there's going to be that pull all the time. Um, I think mine has been a very organic self-care re regime because of my daughter. She's now six. She's at school for longer um I can be a little bit more structured with my time we do a school run which helps so um I'm doing half an hour yoga every day um 
And that has only been since the new year because I finally got to a place where I was like, right, I really want to try this and I can do this. And I was practicing maybe two two times a week before that with a with a nearby class. Um, I found group classes, exercise classes, much more um, uh, assertive for me. I could go to that class and I would be getting encouraged by everybody else. Something like swimming, forget it. I'd have to motivate myself to get to the pool, to get into the <laughs> pool, swim the length, not go into the coffee shop, grab a quick takeaway coffee, decide, actually, no, I've got more work to do today. Um, so that I've just written it off because I know it's not going to work for me, but you know, I've tried and it didn't, and I failed with that. So whatever, let's find something that does work. Um, so I've made myself a little spot now in the sitting room where I can have my yoga mat and I've found a, um, YouTube video that I follow and that's been amazing and has actually really changed so much. Which one do you, li- do you watch? The yoga revolution, mm. Adrienne. Yes. Um, and because for me yoga is much more about a spiritual um connected connection as well and it's about breath work i very much feel that it's um not just working on my body on a physical level it's on so many other levels too um and i just need to be ground myself a lot and i think from grounding myself comes the good stuff um so with food wise yeah I mean my nutritionist will tell you that I have great weeks and then I have really rubbish weeks <laughs> and the more pressure you put on yourself the worse it's going to be mm. so it's uh, you know this whole sort of self-care thing is always changing and I think you just need to and I you know I do struggle but I think if I can celebrate the good days and be okay about the not so good days that's enough yeah Absolutely. I will take that on board. (laughs) And for anyone who's listening, who's in the middle of something hugely traumatic that, you know, it's going to take a while to get through through it. What would you say to them? Take a day at a time. It's so much easier said than done, but it is so important. And um, to... Give yourself little goals every day that make you feel better. So, you know, if you are feeling sick and rubbish and you can't get out of bed and one side of your brain is saying, you'd feel so much better if you just walked downstairs today. Don't. Stay in bed. Just be very kind to yourself because it all starts with that. And that sounds like such a cliche, but it is so true. Um, and I think you have to be patient with yourself and know that for, for optimum healing, everything has got to be working together. Um, so I, th- I wrote a blog um, a while back about just taking time and um duvet days and just having those days where you do just stay in bed or you do just curl up because those are the days that are the most healing days um and if you are feeling if you are taking a lot of drugs just remembering that it's the drugs that are making you feel 
rubbish and that it will they will end the drugs will stop but they've got a job to do and you've got to be positive about the job they're trying to do and let them do it that's great thank you and now you've you've kind of been through all this and you're just this shining example at the other end i'd love to know what what does freedom mean for you in your life right now um being grateful for where i'm at and everything that i do have um and looking being able to look backwards with a sense of achievement and know that i was thrown a curveball and i threw it right back i love that <laughs> you you absolutely did thank you so much for joining us sam you're a true inspiration Take care. Take care. So that's it for this time on the Freedom Seeker Chronicles with me, your host, Beth Kempton. I was in conversation with Sam Reynolds of Sam Spaces, who's featured in my book, Freedom Seeker. You can find out more about Sam on samspaces.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll take what you've heard and use it to inspire your own journey of freedom seeking, not forgetting to include radical self-care along the way. I'd love to know what resonated with you. Please share on social media. I'm at Beth Kempton on Instagram or at Do What You Love XX everywhere else. And be sure to check out my website, bethkempton.com, for more tools and resources to support your adventures. If you haven't yet read my book, the full title is Freedom Seeker Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love, and it's published by Hay House. Treat yourself to a copy today. It might just change your life. So until next time, fly free, my friend. Fly free. <laughs>